0: folks, we're we're in lesson, if you were following along with us, we're in lesson 16, uh, the historical books. And if you are wanting to catch up, you can go to our church website at kerwinsvillechristian.org. Simply right there on the front page, you'll see like a scene from Palestine. You can click on that and uh, that will allow you to go to all of our lessons and lesson sheets. So let's talk about the historical books and the book of Ruth today. So first of all, what we're going to look at is the nature of the books. Before we even get to talking about Ruth, let's talk about the nature of the book of Ruth. There are different types of books in the uh, Old Testament, and you need to understand that. So the first thing we're going to see is this, that historical books, these are books like Joshua, Judges, now we're in Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Nehemiah, they're known as narratives, or what we would call stories, okay? They're known as narratives, so you need to understand that. Now, biblical narratives tell us about what happened, not just anything. So they tell us interesting things about the story that's relevant to for the reader, and for the nation Israel. So they tell us about what happened. Okay, They're just not trivial information. It tells us about what happened in uh, that story that we're going to read. So for instance, we're going to look at the book of Ruth. It's just going to tell us the details that we need to know concerning Ruth, Boaz, Naomi, and its relevance to the whole issue of the scripture, and so forth. So it's a biblical narratives. They tell us about what happened. They're not just stories about people who live in the Old Testament. So when we talk about biblical narratives, we're not just talking about a collection of stories. There's a purpose for the story. There's a purpose to the greater story, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so you and I need to understand that. So these are not just stories about people who lived in the Old Testament. They are stories about what God did to and through his people. So when you read these stories, the main character, whether it's obvious or not, I need you to understand this, the main character is God. And his interaction with his people Israel. You and I need to understand that. So it's not Ruth, although we're going to see Ruth is a main character. But Ruth isn't the center focus of what's going on here. It's God. It's not Naomi. And it's not Boaz. It's the Lord. So the stories are about what God did to and through his people. So... They are not allegories or stories filled with hidden meaning. So when we talk about narratives, you and I need to understand that. These are not allegories that we can just spiritualize into making some sort of concept out of that maybe fits with where you are today. And a lot of people do that when they read the scripture to try to gain some kind of key insight out of it that they can apply to their lives and they spiritualize what they're reading that's not what's going on here this is history this is a story telling you what's going on and you can learn from it but there's no hidden meanings here there's nothing secret that's there that you can draw out of okay that you can draw out of the other thing is is. Historical narratives, especially in the Old Testament, do not always teach directly. So there's not like an obvious lesson. We found that out when we went through the book of Judges. So when you look at the, the last part of the book of Judges and you see uh, the stories concerning uh, the Levite who was Micah's priest or the Levite and his concubine, and that is a, a, a very awkward story There's not necessarily a direct teaching that comes out of that. There's not like some spiritual lessons. Hopefully, you're not finding any spiritual lessons in those two books. But there is definitely a teaching in the sense that it reflects what was going on in Israel when they had no king and when people did what was right in their own eyes. So it's not always teaching directly. Not always teaching directly. Each narrative within a narrative does not necessarily have a moral all its own. So when you have a narrative book, and then there are stories in that narrative book, that's not necessarily saying that this has a moral all its own. We try to think in terms of what's the moral of this story. That's not necessarily going to be true here. This is just simply recording what has happened and how God interacted with his people, and it reflects very much where they are at, where they are at at that time. So, and here's the most important thing. This is very, very important. A narrative does not directly teach a doctrine. A narrative does not necessarily teach a doctrine. You can't go to a narrative and say, oh, Here is a doctrine. Okay, so let me give an example of what I'm talking about. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth, doing some introductory material today. We're going to be talking about it over the next couple of weeks. A lot of times folks will go to Ruth and look for teaching or doctrine concerning dating. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, you're not going to find it there. Why? Because dating didn't exist in their culture. It exists in our culture. Actually, what existed in their culture was courtship in accordance with the law and in accordance with their customs of that time. And we'll talk about that as we go through it. It's very interesting. There are some things you can learn from it but it's not going to directly give you a doctrine of dating or even a doctrine of courtship if there is such a thing. So a narrative does not directly teach a doctrine, so you need to be aware of that. All right, so let's talk about uh, reading Old Testament historical books. Let's talk about it. First thing I need you to understand is this. Second thing is, okay, the first thing was the narrative does not directly teach a doctrine. Here's what I want you to see though. They usually illustrate a doctrine or doctrines taught propositionally elsewhere. What you can do with a narrative is is when you like go to the New Testament and you see doctrinal teaching from the apostles, you can oftentimes illustrate that doctrine with what happened in a narrative. The narrative doesn't necessarily teach, but what it does is it does it illustrates the truth that is found elsewhere in the scripture. That's what you and I need to understand. We see the as as an illustration of what happens elsewhere. Here's the other thing. They record what happened, not necessarily what should have or ought to have happened. So when you look at a narrative, what you're going to see here is what happened? Not what should have happened or what ought to have happened. And sometimes I'm just going to be honest with you, when you read biblical narratives, there's no happy ending. You don't find out what the ending is. It's just a narrative. It's just a story. It's just something that you and I need to uh, reflect on. In fact, for instance, when we get into first Second kings, you're going to read a story, a narrative about a prophet who came and told King Ahab that he's going to die. Of course, that wasn't accepted. They take him back to prison. We never hear about that prophet again. There is no happy ending. We don't know if he got released when King Ahab got, was killed, or maybe they killed him because he did prophesy that King Ahab was going to die. We don't know that. That's not the point of the narrative. The narrative is simply pointing out that God told King Ahab through a prophet that he was going to die. So this is what I'm I'm trying to tell you. When we talk about narratives, it just records what happens, not necessarily what should have or ought to have happened, okay? What should have or ought to have happened, okay? Next thing I want you to see is this, what people do is not necessarily a good example to the reader. When you read a narrative, you can't go there and say, well, you know, David did this and Saul did that and these widows did this over here so I can do this because the word of God didn't outright say they were wrong. No, no, you can't use a narrative or what people are doing in the narrative As an example of what you should do as good, because sometimes what they do is not good. It's just recording what they're doing. You and I need to recognize that as well. Most of the characters that you're going to see, the the main folks who are in the passage, are far from perfect, and their actions are too. When you read, this is what amazes me about the Bible and especially about Old Testament narratives. It just kind of tells you like it is. And your heroes, you know, we have Sunday school heroes, David and Goliath, and Elijah. Well, I'll be honest with you, when you read the actual scriptures, you're going to find that most characters are far from perfect. They're not perfect. They have faults. They have sins. And their actions are far from perfect. Now, I'll be honest with you, when you and I read that, that should give us hope. Because God used them in spite of who they are and their issues. Just like he can use us in spite of our problems and our issues. So when you talk about most of the characters, they're far from perfect and their actions are too. Now, let's continue on. We're going to talk about reading here. We're not always told the end of the narrative. I kind of mentioned that to you earlier, talking about that prophet talking to Ahab. We're not always told the end of the the narrative, whether what happened was good or bad. That's just reality. You're not going to necessarily hear the end of the narrative. And so you and I need to recognize that. All narratives are selective and incomplete. All narratives are selective and incomplete, and we know this. How do we know that? Well, we have the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It's inspired by God, but he gave it for you and I. But we need to recognize when he talks about an historical event, the Bible's not going to give you every single detail of what happened. And we know that through archaeology, that sometimes there's, in history, that there's a lot of other details that are not listed. That doesn't make the scripture invalid. That was not the purpose of the scripture. The purpose of the scripture was to communicate what God wanted you to see. So a lot of times what you're going to see presented, there are other historical facts. And sometimes teachers will bring those in to help you have a better perspective of what's going on. But the Bible is very selective and sometimes incomplete in its presentation of the story, of the historical story of what's going on. You and I need uh, to recognize that. Here's another point. They are not written to answer all of our theological questions. When you read a historical narrative in the Old Testament... You are not going there to answer theological questions. That's not the point of the historical narrative. It's not going to necessarily answer any of them. So I just need you to be aware of that. Here's the next thing I want you to recognize. They teach either explicitly, that's clearly stating, or implicitly, that's clearly implying. So if there's something the historical narrative is trying to communicate to you, it is going to do it explicitly. It's either going to be out there very clearly for you to see, or it's going to be implicit. Implicit, so it's clearly implied. Clearly implied, so we're going to see that as well. Implicit does not mean secret. So I need to just flat out tell you, sometimes you'll see guys on the TV and they'll say to you, "Well, we found a hidden thing in the Bible." Folks, this scripture has been around for more than 2000 years. There is nothing new under the sun. There is no new meaning, don't need to put it through a computer. It's going to be right there for you to see. It's obvious. So when you talk about an implicit teaching, We're not talking about secret teaching. We're talking about that which is implied through the passage for you and I to see as we read the historical narratives. Okay? And then, let's go on. Finally, God is the hero of all Old Testament narratives. That's just the reality. Remember, I told you he's the main character. God is the hero. God is the one that is showing himself forth as the protector, as the father to Israel. He is the one who's showing himself forth as the one who promises the coming Messiah. This is about God and his interaction with his people, Israel, and the coming Messiah, Jesus. That's what we're going to see there. So, so... What we see here is a little bit about historical narrative. So let's talk about the book of Ruth, because this is where we're going to focus over the next few weeks, the book of Ruth. And it is a wonderful book to read. It's only four chapters long. You could probably sit down in one sitting and read it. So I just want to give you some understanding, some just some background information as you are reading it to help you to understand what's going on. So let's talk about, first of all, the title. So let me just go ahead and say this to you. The titles aren't inspired, okay? The titles aren't inspired, and you're going to see that. We've seen that with other books. But the titles have traditionally come through uh, through the centuries to God's people, and it implies that this scroll is referred to as Ruth, okay? This scroll is referred to as Ruth. So here we go. The book is named for one of the main characters... Ruth the Moabitist. The book is named after one of its main characters, Ruth the Moabitist. So I just want you to recognize that. The other thing I want you to see is this. She is the ancestress of David and Jesus. Now the reason why this book is so important, and Ruth as one of the main characters is so important in our understanding, and we're going to see that later at the ending, is that she is the ancestress, she's a great-grandmother, to David. And which means because she is a grandparent to David, she is also then important to the lineage of Jesus. Okay, so she's important to the lineage of Jesus, who was the son of David, the son of God. Okay, now this is one of two books in the Bible that are named for a woman. So when you go to the Old Testament, you're going to notice a lot of the books are named after guys, Samuel, okay, Nehemiah. Well, here we have a book that's one of two books that's named for a woman. That's very important. The other is Esther. Ruth is one of those two books that you need to recognize. Next thing I want you to see is this. No one knows for sure who wrote the book of Ruth. So you can't say, well, Ruth wrote it. Uh, Chances are she didn't. Okay, This is not Ruth who wrote. At this time, women didn't necessarily write. And she's a Moabitist. Okay, so she's originally from Moab. She maybe knows Hebrew. Most people didn't necessarily know how to read Hebrew at that time, but I need, they knew how to communicate in Hebrew. A lot of things were shared orally in their traditions. But I need you to understand, no one knows for sure who wrote the book of Ruth. Now, Jewish tradition has attributed the book to Samuel, although this seems very unlikely. You say, how can you say that? If, if people say it's Samuel, it must be Samuel then. No, no, it can't be. Because later on, in the end of Ruth, it's going to very much tell you that this is a story connected to King David. So it's very likely that this book was written during David's time. Okay? During David's time. In fact... The events of the story, let's talk about the date now, the events of the story occurred during the period of the judges. Remember, we studied the judges and we talked about that period of time where there was no king. They had these civic judges who oftentimes were military leaders to kind of judge them, but they basically could do what they did on their own. This is during that period, which would be about 1350 or 1200 to 1020 B.C., okay? The date of this writing is obviously during the reign of David. I mentioned that to you earlier, and that's because of the final section from chapter 4 and what it says. We're going to look at that in a couple of weeks, so we just want you uh, to be aware of it. Now, let's talk about some general observations. What are we going to see when we read the book of Ruth? So let me just kind of give you some general observations. Number one, the book's message may have been an affirmation of King David's rights to the throne of Israel. That's one of the things that comes out of the book of Ruth. It's really an affirmation of his lineage. And it may very well have been there to just simply support his rights as the king, which, to be honest with you, would then ultimately support the rights of the son of David as the Messiah. So it just needs you to be aware of that. The book is the display of God's providence in bringing to bringing this to pass. Bringing this to pass can challenge us to believe that God is at work. So the display of God's provision in bringing this kind of helps us and challenges us to believe that God can work. Now, let me just stop for a moment, because it's interesting that we're going to go through this book. When you go to chapter 1, you're going to see Naomi and the tragedy of her life, because in a period of darkness, in their situation it was a famine, she goes with her husband and her sons to Moab to escape it. And so a lot of the difficulties that she went through was because of that decision in that period of troubled times. Interesting, we're in troubled times right now. Maybe there's some things we can see from the stories as we look at them in the future. But what you're going to see is God's providence here. And it should challenge us to believe that God is at work. Here's the next observation. The Lord is faithful in his business of loving, superintending, and provincially caring for his people. This is what you're going to see. The Lord is faithful in his business of loving, superintending, and provincially caring for his people. You're going to see that as we go through this story about how God, even though it's not very obvious, is guiding these events. And taking care of Naomi. And bringing forth a child through Ruth that would ultimately be, uh, well, the grandfather to David. To David. Let's continue on. God's people should also be about his business in ordinary activities of daily life. Now, one of the amazing things about the book of Ruth is it's going to hone in on their following the law from how they glean their fields, to how they handle an inheritance where there is no heir, the whole issue of redemption, all of those things from the law are illustrated right in this book. And what we're going to see is is that God's people are going about doing His work, His way, and we see that illustrated in this book, and it's very, very important. Now, let's talk about an outline of the book. We're just going to end this with an outline. So I just want you to focus here. The book of Ruth can be divided into five main sections. So the book of Ruth can be divided into five main sections. Okay, so let's talk about each one of these sections. First of all, there's the tragedy of Naomi. We're going to see that in chapter 1, that's verses 1 to 22. So this is that tragedy I told you about. There's actually a lot more to the story. We'll talk about that next week. Then we're going to see in chapter 2, Ruth in the fields of Boaz. Boaz is the other main character. He's from the tribe of Judah. He has a field that he is tending. And so we're going to see the story of Ruth, who is Naomi's daughter-in-law in in the fields of Boaz. And that's in chapter 2, verses 1 to 23. Then we're going to see the whole issue of redemption sought. How to redeem this situation that Naomi is in. We see that in chapters 3, verses 1 through 18. We see then the redemption experience. We see Boaz going the extra mile here to redeem him as the kinsman redeemer. We see that in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And then ultimately, a child being born to Naomi through Ruth. And again, that is through the law. I'll explain that when we get there. We see that in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And then finally, because this is where we see that Samuel could not have written this book. We're going to see the lineage of David, and we're going to see that explained in chapter 4, verses 17 through 22. So, this is what we're looking at here is the outline today. Next week, we're going to plow right into chapter 1, look at some information there, possibly get into chapter 2. And so, I want you to uh, recognize that this is going to be a very good book for us to go through right now.